Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Don't Tell Me The Score, the podcast that uses sport to explore life's bigger questions. My name is Simon Mundy, and each week I sit down with an expert from the biggest sporting names in the world to Buddhist monks, neuroscientists, psychologists, and philosophers. We discuss a theme that tells us something insightful and important about life and how best to live it, from the importance of self-acceptance to facing addiction and developing resilience, right through to getting your circadian rhythms in sync and how to sleep better. Sport is a metaphor for life, and in this podcast, I aim to prove that right. I always like hearing from you, so the best way to get in touch is via my website, simonmundy.com, or I'm at Simon Mundy on social media. In this episode, I'm talking to rugby league legend Jamie Peacock about self-reflection. Jamie Peacock, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm delighted to be talking to you, Jamie. You're a rugby league legend and we're obviously speaking with the spectre of COVID still very much looming over us. And we were just chatting before we started recording about being adaptable. And I know something that's you're all about being adaptable. And work-wise, like so many of us, you've really had to go back to the drawing board. So so what sort of things have you had to do? Yeah, 100%. I, I had no choice. I, I think, it, well, I did have a choice. I could have sat and sulked at home, but I, I thought that's, that's not me. That's not going to get me anywhere. So uh, at the beginning of lockdown, I had a busy work program, but a lot of my work was based on meeting people face-to-face. So I had to find a different way of working and a different way of doing things, which meant redesigning my mentoring program. So it was uh, via you know Zoom or, or Google Hangout. 
posting books to people, which is part of the program. Then also thinking about uh, health and well-being, because I thought the thing that a lot of companies will need is health and well-being programs. And I, I know a fair bit about that from delivering it to school children. So it was about adapting a, a talk uh, that would be suitable for companies and for adults. But I think being in sport has enabled me to, to have that attitude because within sport, you're problem solving all the time. All the time you've got problems to solve because in a team, say you're coming up against a team that are overwhelming favourites, well, you've got a big problem to solve because you're not supposed to win. And between yourselves, you've got to work out how, how you're going to fix that. And you've got a repetition of that week in, week out of problem solving. And I think I'm fortunate that I was in rugby league a long time, sport professionally. And I think one of the lessons sport taught me was that, that problems can be solved and there's quite a few games you go into where everybody else writes you off and you've got no chance of winning. But you yourself and the team think of a way to solve that problem and you beat the favourites. And I think it's a little bit like dealing with lockdown and dealing with the circumstances. It's just another problem that you need to try and solve. And something that strikes me about you, Jamie, is that you're someone who's able to take the lessons from sports and apply them or rather transfer them to life. Now, lots of sports people struggle, for example, to make the transition from being a professional athlete to returning to just being a member of public back on civvy streets, essentially. Um, and there, there are various reasons why athletes do struggle in that way. But as far as I can see, you've really thrived and it seems like you've made that switch pretty seamlessly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, for me, I feel it has, you're right, Sam, and it, for me, it feels like it has gone easier and well. And I think there's probably a few reasons for that. I think the first one for me is that I was never a, the most talented rugby league player, so I was never the most naturally talented player within a professional team in terms of rugby talent, you know, passing a ball or tackling. So I thought to myself, the way I'm going to get ahead is using the top two inches and using some aspects which can be applied in, in general day life, you know, like just outworking people. So hard work is a choice, not a talent. So I thought I can outwork people, but then I think you can do that in general life. You can you can work really hard. And generally, if you do, you, you kind of get positive results off the back of that as well. And I think probably the second one is that when I looked in the mirror, I never saw myself as I'll define myself as a rugby player. I didn't look in the mirror and see Jamie Peacock, the rugby player. I just saw somebody who played rugby. I was just a person who happened to play rugby. I'm not a rugby player. And I think having that attitude, and I think if most sports people who retire can see themselves that way, it's not just the sports person that they played that sport, but themselves as a, as a person who just did that, who just uh, had to play that sport, participate in it, then... I think it gives them a better chance of retiring and, and moving easier into the, the next stages of their life. I think that's interesting what you said there, Jamie, about separating your personal identity from your sporting identity, because I think that this is a, a really common theme in so many jobs and industries, having our identity bound up in what we do. But in particular relating to sport, to what degree do you think that is one of the big drivers or one of the big factors why so many athletes really struggle when they retire, not separating who they are from what they do? I agree with you 100%. I, I do think that's probably the biggest reason why anybody who moves from that kind of very successful career and they have to finish it into another one struggles with leaving that career behind. And I think for me, the, the key is, I'll use me as an example, I, I, not to see myself as a rugby player, but I think 
you've got to kind of work out as a person what your values are and what you stand for. Once you understand that as a person, then you can go into kind of any field and be successful in that because you're going to apply them. So you know, a couple of things for me is I always like to, I always try and do what I'm saying I'm going to do, uh, be reliable. I, I try to be honest and I try to always do the right thing and I care about people. So those four things for me are my kind of values and I know what I stand for and I know that, Generally, I think in life, in any field, if I do those four things well, then I've got a chance of being successful. And I think sports people or people in, in a certain career don't think about what they've done, but think about what they stand for, what their values are, and try to live the day-to-day by them. It will give them a far better chance of moving from one career into another career. And I think they'll find that transition a lot easier, Simon. Values are such an interesting and integral and important thing, aren't they? And you can separate them from goals, which is all about reaching a certain destination, and even you can separate them from purpose. And I've spoken to some people on this show about values and how to uncover them. Goldie Sayers, Pippa Grange, who were really fascinating on the subject. And the thing is, if you're living your values the outcome can actually become less important because you're judging yourself not on what you achieve, but on how you are and whether you're living up to what's important to you in the process. And that takes some pressure off, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's completely right. And I think as a sports person, that's one of the things that I think I can talk about myself that when you first come into breaking at the first team, you think you're competing against everybody else and you're looking for external opinions on whether you've played well because you're not quite sure where you fit in. But as you grow into your role, you do realise you're only ever competing against yourself. You can only ever bring what you're going to bring to a team or, or to a business. So you've got to focus on that and work out what your values are, You know what are the things I stand for, what are the things I want to bring to the team. And I'm going to do them as well as I possibly can every single week. And I think towards the back end of my career, that's one of the reasons that I thought I was able to play maybe really a consistently high level of eight to nine out of ten every week because I understood myself, understood what I stood for and understood what I was going to bring to the team each week. And I realised that you do get competition from playing against other people. That just raises it up, but you've just got to try and be you and be what you stand for and not be somebody else. And ultimately, inside, you get the greatest sense of satisfaction when you know you've done as well as you possibly can. Just on the values, Jamie, you've mentioned a few of yours or four of yours, and I'm interested how you discovered what your values were because not everyone is clear on what theirs are. And I spoke to Goldie Sayers, who ran through an exercise with me, really powerful exercise, to help you uncover what your values are. And, you know, it was certainly a bit of an eye-opener for me because it's easy to think you hold certain values, but actually when you dig down deep, that they are perhaps not what you thought they were. So I'm interested, how did you discover what yours were? Was there a process or uh, did it just occur to you? Yeah, how, how, did you, how did you work out what your values were? I think it's about being self-reflective and about spending your time learning and trying to understand yourself and replaying certain situations and how it made you feel. And I think, again, sport gives you that because in rugby league, every week you're reviewing your performance. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? What did you bring to the team? So that begins you on a journey of self-reflection. And I think being in sport and rugby league taught me to be self 
reflective, which then leads to trying to work out your values. And for me, I think it's I think when something goes against a value of yours, it don't make you feel right. If I get in a situation where it's really difficult for me to be honest, it makes my toes kind of curl and, and that kind of makes me think, well, that's one of my values. I want to be honest and I, I like being around people who are honest and, and you, because when people are honest, you create trust, don't you? And people trust you because you're honest and, you, and you're authentic. You know, when you're being honest to yourself, when you're understanding yourself, you're authentic, aren't you? Because you're just being who you are, not trying to be somebody else. You're not, you're not trying to be, Simon, a different broadcaster. You're just trying to be the broadcaster that I am. And I think that allows you to be authentic, which creates trust. And I, I think it's about spending time reviewing situations. And when you get in a situation that makes you uncomfortable, thinking about that reason why. For me, it's that self-reflection, reviewing yourself and understanding how certain situations make you feel up, you define your values. Just remind me what your four values are, Jamie, that you mentioned before. Being honest, caring about people, always, always going to do what I'm saying I'm going to do. And it's doing the right thing. Do you reflect then on them on, say, a weekly basis and think back and think, to what degree am I living up to my values currently? Yeah, I do, because I know that for me to be successful, I have to live that way. I've taken some things from sport, which I still do now. So on a, on a Sunday night in when I played professional sport, I used to look at the weekend, who we were going to play, and I think, right, well, what's my mindset going to be? You know, what are the things I'm going to have to practice on training this week if we're going to win? And then you'd have the review of that on a Monday. So for me, in my general day of life now, on a Sunday, I always like to look at my weekend, look about what's going on, what's in front of me in terms of work, how am I going to apply what my values are, what my strengths are. And then on Friday, I always like to have a look back at the week and think, well, did I do it? Can I justify who I am? What could I do a little bit better? What, what were the things that worked for me in terms of my values? And I think that kind of framework for me has, has allowed me to keep developing. You know, it's a really good way to celebrate the success that you, you've had during the week is at the end of it on a Friday. You know, what have I actually achieved this week? Because I, I think a lot of people in life don't do that. They just go from week to week to week and just plod on through. Whereas I, I just think to myself, what's the point in that? Unless you're going to celebrate your own success and, and what you've done. I, I think for me, it's a, it's a great way of being able to do this. Now, it might not be the stereotypical image that someone has of a man who's been described as embodying, embodying the man of steel uh, in rugby league, as you've been described. But clearly, you're someone who is in touch with your internal compass. And that means being in touch with your feelings, your thoughts, really knowing yourself and what's going on inside. Yeah, I, I am Simon. Yeah, and, you, and you, you're right. I, I think it. I think it is, is very important to be be able to do that and to, and to understand yourself. And, and I think my journey with that has, has come with age. And I, I think because of that, because I've had that journey of really wanting to understand myself and uh, want to know who I am and how I can improve and what are the things I, I, I can do do better or improve. Uh, it's allowed me to change as a person. What a story would be in, in terms of this would when I was first became a captain, right? I was uh, I was just straight to the point all the time and too much so. And I, I remember once we were at the Bulls, Bradford Bulls, and we probably we'd lost three games in a row. Uh, and we were a good side at the time, and we just had our last training session, and it was awful. It was awful. You know, balls were down everywhere. Uh, standards were high and I could feel myself getting more and more irate during this training session and at the end of it this is the last one before we play I kind of just ripped into everybody you know didn't let loose and just saying 
few ex-players, what the hell's going on here? You know, what our standards are? There's no wonder we're losing games. Really frustrated and then walked off the pitch. And as I was delivering this talk, I could see people's like body language dropping and, and their demeanours changing. And I, as I'm walking off the pitch and walking up in the change rooms, I've been to calm down. I just thought to myself, wow, you could not have got that more wrong. You could not have got that more wrong at that point then because... Because your personality type at that time is just to write straight to the point, deliver the truth, where people then, they needed some understanding, they needed a bit of confidence to say, look, we're in this together, we've made some mistakes, let's pull together as a group. The only way we can get out of it as a group and try to pull people's confidence up rather than deliver you know, uh, uh, a sermon to people saying it's unacceptable. And, and I think, again, that being able to understand yourself and review yourself allowed, allowed me to improve as a, as a captain. And I think it's... If you don't understand yourself, you can never improve. One thing I learned to improve was just to listen to people properly. I think I had a tendency when I was younger to when people were talking to butt in a little bit too much. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just not listening properly to people. So I kind of try to hone and develop that way where you let people finish and take the time and actually listen to what they're saying and then respond back to what they're saying, not just saying what you want to say. And I think you can only do that by being reflective and understanding yourself, and you can still play tough, and you can still, you know, be, you know, I could be bloody minded and t- t- play the game tough. But the reason I think I played a, a long time in sport was because I developed and changed because I was self-reflective. But I do again thankful for the sport that I think the sport gave me the environment to be able to do that. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying there about tearing strips off your teammates because I think a lot of leaders. A lot of people would, it'd be easy for them to rationalise something like that away and blame, still blame it on perhaps a lack of standards amongst the people they're working with. But clearly you actually had the strength of character to look back and and question yourself. And what strikes me in, in listening to you talk is that one of your strengths really is your ability to do that, your ability to self question and, and be self aware. Yeah, I think so. Having spoken, I think it's kind of Amador, that aspect of my personality. And I think if you look at the, I think the, the most successful people in life, I think they're constantly changing and adapting to their environment. And I think that ability to look at yourself in the mirror and, and just that to have that honesty with yourself to go, do you know what, I need to, I need to be better at doing that. I mean, one for me that stood out was, during the lockdown, and I'm sure all parents have had this, my patience with my kids and trying to get them to learn was just, it just wasn't there. And I thought to myself, do you know, I'm, I'm way off here. I'm absolutely way off. So what I decided to do was each day was going to rate myself out of 10 in my patience with my kids. Okay, so I hold myself accountable to me. And then over the period of like three or four weeks, my patience improved out of sight because First, I was prepared to self-reflect about it. And then secondly, I wanted to do something about it. And then the third thing was just making the decision to hold myself accountable to me each day. And it just shows you that I think for me that you, you can learn, everybody can learn new skills. You, you're never too old to try and learn uh, a new kind of characteristic to your personality. It just takes some perseverance and some self-reflection. Absolutely. And being adaptable is clearly key during this pandemic and lockdown and it's only going to get more important with automation and things like that and I do think a lot of people have a bit of an attitude um, that perhaps they get to a certain age and they think 
this is me. I'm done. This is how I am. I'm not going to change. I can't change. And something that comes through with you is that, was it can't I? Um, constant and never-ending improvement. So this idea that there is no finishing line and that you can always improve your skills, yourself as a person, whatever, anything about you really. And, you know, that's only going to become more and more important. Yeah, that's right. You're right. It's all right. Again, I mean, when we worked with a coach, Brian McClendon at the Rhinos, and one of his philosophies one year was Kaizen, you know, the Japanese mindset of continuous improvement. And I think the day that you think you are the finished article is the day that you are finished. And I think being good at this is about surrounding yourself with the right people. So I always try to surround myself with the people who, who have got the mindset of that there's always a way there's always a way to do things and I think in the best sporting teams you see that mindset that the best sporting teams don't accept that you, you can't win a certain game there, there always is a belief that there's always a way now that's a belief but to be able to implement that you have to adapt I think and I, I think that adaptive mentality was one of the reasons I was involved in successful teams that there's there's a number of players in the teams that I was at, at Leeds and Bradford who had that mindset of right well there's always a way well we can do this but are we going to have to do this well we're going to have to adapt to what we do and then we're going to have to overcome it and I think that kind of personality trait is uh, I think it features strongly in, in most successful people in any any walk of life you know sports business whatever you like I think that. Uh, openness and that desire to succeed no matter what um, or you'll find a way I think you just have to look through the history of, of great explorers I mean I think a great explorer always sets off with a plan in mind but I reckon that plan changes after about six hours on their <laughs> yeah, way. absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but they, they don't turn around and say well I've had enough I'm going on they, they adapt and overcome don't they and I think the reason why human beings have been you know, successful over the last, I don't know, thousands of years is we've had to adapt and overcome. And I think that the best of us uh, really understand that and have a, a good ability to do that. Yes, plan, but be prepared to ditch the plan and throw it out the window. And I love that quote of yours, the day you think you're the finished article, you're finished. And what you were saying about surrounding yourself with upbeat, positive people, and it does work both ways, doesn't it? Because if you're not upbeat, those people are not going to want to hang around with you. So it's uh, it's a two-way process. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they'll stop hanging around with you. And again, I think I'm grateful for the network and the exposure to successful people that my rugby career has managed to give me. Because, look, I'm from like a really working-class area within Bramley, and there are some successful people in that from that area. But I think because I, – I, well, I don't think I know because I've been in sport – I mean, get to meet lots of people who are successful in other fields. And, and I think it's great to be able to spend time with people like that because you kind of always learn something or they have an influence on you or they'll say something that you can take away from. And I, and I think there, there, there is, a, I think there's a theory that you, the five people you spend the most mm. time with have a huge impact on you as a person. And I firmly believe in that. There's a, there's a guy, Paul Sewell's, um, is from Holy, and his business so constructed has been in the Times, you know, top 10 uh, places to work over the last, three times over the last 10 years. And 
one thing he says, you know, if you want to be a winner, you surround yourself with winners. And, and it's the truth. You know, it's a, it's a fundamental truth is that, is that they do have an impact on you. And, and the boss, I think as well, that not every day you, you want to get out of bed and be your best. You know, there's plenty of days you get out of bed and you're not hugely motivated. But if you surround yourself with the right people, they'll, they'll have a positive influence on you and they'll, they'll inspire you to do something. But again, if you surround yourself with people saying, who are negative and say, what's the point? Well, they'll have the opposite effects on what you do. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A theme that's come up a lot on this show has been around winning and what winning and success means and does it mean squashing someone else you know your win has to come uh, at the expense of somebody else and something that comes through from me from my vantage point about you is that being a winner for you is about living your values and it's not just about being better than someone else it's being better than than your previous self and also about contributing to the well-being of other people as well yeah, a hundred percent. I just think it's just just such the right way to be. I just think, um, I think if you again look at rugby, my career. If I was to compare myself to to others, then I'd never win because there's always someone who's better at another skill than I am in terms of rugby. It's always someone faster, stronger, better tackler, better passer. But if I compare myself to me and just be to try be the best version that I can be, then ultimately, you know, I, I'm going to win each day and I don't think every game you achieve that it's something you strive to be all the time but it gives you a lot of better sense of fulfillment and certainly you know I'll come back to um, trying to do the right thing by others I think fundamentally for me within a team a team is more than a sum of its parts when everybody wants to try out each other the teams that I've been in have been at the best at Leeds and Bradford have some great individual players but at the heart of that was trying to help each other and when we try to help each other we won and I think that 
boils down for me uh, a little bit with society because at the beginning of lockdown, we, we were told to make a decision by the government to help the rest of society, which is to go into lockdown. Now, off the back of that lockdown, um, there's been some personal benefits, I think, for a lot of people which from working at home, which means more time for themselves, you know, longer sleep, more money in the pocket. But as we come out of lockdown, I don't believe we should stay working remotely because we're getting personal benefits for ourselves. Because while we're all getting these personal benefits, there's lots of people out there who, when you commute and work in a lead city centre, the person who sells you a sandwich, the person who sells you a coffee, the person who works in the hotel, who works in the bar, they, these are all people that kind of we need to get back out and help in the right conditions. Because for me, and I'll put it on LinkedIn the other day, I, I would rather have, right? 30 minutes less sleep a day and a few quid less in my money in my pocket. But somebody else who works in the trade that supports commuting have that money in their pocket and then sleep a little bit longer because that's the way we pull together as a society is to help each other when the times are right. It's like society is a team, right? That's what I think. And I think you've got to go out there and try and help people. And it's not always about the benefits for you. It's about what little bits you can do for other people as well. I like that. Society as a team. If more people perhaps thought like that, we'd be in a better place. One thing I wanted to speak to you about, Jamie, um, was around sort of confidence, self-belief, being self-assured, because it's easy to think of someone like yourself who's been so successful, who's captained his country uh, on the pitch, um, you know, that you've never had doubts, self-doubts and that kind of thing. But you tell a lovely story called get off the bus um and obviously i want you to tell it but it, it's really about revealing that anyone and everyone has doubts and it's not about whether or not you have them but it's about how you deal with them and how you react to them yeah i think we all have doubts and i think if you if you don't have doubts and you, you're not human or you're not pushing yourself hard enough i mean for me the the thing was that i was never a particular i'll go for the story I was never a particularly great rugby player as a kid, you know, never really made any league sides or Yorkshire side. Whenever I get signed 16, no, no, play, no clubs were interested in signing me. So as you can imagine, I didn't have much confidence or belief in my ability as a rugby player, but I kept playing. And when I got to nearly 19, the Bradford Bulls started to come down and watch me play, uh, watch me play a few games. Then they asked me to go train with the first team for the day. So you can imagine how nervous I was um, and now how lacking in self-belief and doubt I had. But I thought, I've got to take up this opportunity. Um, but because of the enormity of the situation in front of me, I was just thinking, just riddled with self-doubt. Anyway, I caught the bus from where I lived uh, in Leeds up to Bradford. And on this journey, I got more and more nervous to the point I got to my stop and I, I didn't get off the stop. And I bottled it, uh, blew my big opportunity, stayed on the bus till it terminated in Halifax. It was about another four miles down the road. So you can imagine... I got off the bus and I'm just thinking, well, <laughs> we really missed this one up here. And then uh, I found that, it, obviously, you know, I didn't have a mobile phone, got a pay phone from my dad, you know, I explained the situation and, and he, as you can imagine, was pretty upset, taught me some new swear words that day when he spoke back. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he said, you know what, you've got a chance. Uh, I'll try ring the, the bulls and I'll sort some out, catch the bus home. So after that, I had... You know, an hour on the bus stop, an hour on the bus. And what I realised was I had a lot of people around me in my life who believed in me. You know, my dad did the coach, did the scouts. But if I was going to take this opportunity, I was going to have to take a leap of faith and back myself and kind of believe in myself. 
So I came up with a little mantra, time to get off the bus. And then the story falls on that, you know, the following week I got an opportunity and I kept telling myself, get off the bus, get off the bus, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. Get to the bus stop and I go train with the Bulls. And now train with the Bulls. And as you can imagine, it was a tough, hard training session. But I think like our, our biggest fears, it was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be, which always happens. And at the other side of that, 13 weeks later, I got a contract to be a professional rugby league player. But I learned a lesson that you're going to have plenty of times in your life where you're going to have self-doubt. But your key is you've got to kind of push yourself and b- believe in yourself and, and overcome it. And I, I use that then throughout my career because if you think in professional sport, in rugby league, each time you take a step up from being an academy player to a, a reserve player to being a first-team player to being an international player, it's a step up in quality. And you're always going to have some doubt. So am I good enough at this level? And I use that, um, you know, mantra all the way through that I realised, look, you've been here before. Uh, you back yourself, just back yourself and you'll be able to do it. The best chance you've got of being successful at this level is to back yourself and believe in yourself. And I think it's the thing that most people should realise is, and most, uh, most people should realise it's normal to feel some self-doubt. But if you want to be successful, you're just going to have to show some courage and try overcome it. Mm. Yeah, courage facing your fear. You know, you can build confidence, which is what you've done and you've continued to do even beyond your career. And then I said about the uh, the extra mile and when you so you become turn pro, hadn't you? And in your first season, you know, you were doing everything asked of you and decided or realised or had an epiphany that perhaps that wasn't going to get you where you wanted to go. Yeah, look, I, I understood myself. I knew I was limited in terms of my my, uh, my ability to play the sport, my technical ability, passing, tackling, you know, can I read a game? But I did know that, look, being mentally tough and being fit, if I can get good at these and I'll give myself a real shot, I'll, I'll be as good as I possibly can be. So um, what I started doing was training outside um, normal hours. And Christmas Day morning, I used to take myself for like a 10K run because I thought... Every player I play against is at home opening their Christmas presents and I'm out there getting fitter than you. So it might mean um, when we play a game, you've got more natural talent than me, but like the back 20 minutes, I'm going to be fitter. So I'm going to think clearer, I'm going to make better decisions and it'll be me who'll come out the champion out the other side of it, not because of your natural talent. And that became a kind of my ethos is that you can outwork people. I can outwork people, become fitter, become mentally tougher and it's going to allow me to be... The, get right to the top of professional rugby league. Now, I think in every different walk of life, there's different components that allow you to be successful in rugby league, being mentally tough and being physically fit are key ones to that, but it might be different in a different field. And I think the thing for me, um, which is exciting about the extra mile, is it's just a choice. That's the thing, right? Is that you don't need talent to go on the extra mile. You just need to make a choice whether you want to, want to do it or not. And I think as a person, that's a a really powerful place to be because you're going to make the decision on trying to lead to you being successful. You're not relying on natural talent. You just need to work out what it is you need to do to go on that kind of extra mile, Simon. And you talk about getting comfortable being uncomfortable and the fact that you used to go on 10K runs on Christmas morning. Do you still do that? <laughs> well, when I finished playing, uh, what I'd sometimes do is I'd park my car in a pub at Christmas Eve, have a few beers and I'd run back for it Christmas Day morning. So the uh-huh. ethos is still the same, but just not quite uh, 10K. But yeah, uh, Christmas Day morning, this morning, I did get out and get a run just because I wanted to do it and I wanted to feel that in the morning. I think a lot of people do that now, though. I think a lot of people themselves, I mean, running's a big thing now, eh? 
but for me, I, I think it's just about having that mentality to be prepared to do more than the person next year. I think we'll always give you a chance at ultimately being successful in what you're doing. As the great philosopher Arnold Schwarzenegger says, it's all about reps. And you've talked about intentionally making yourself uncomfortable. So if it was snowing, being out running in a shortened vest with no music to distract you, so you've only got your voice in your head to uh, to accompany you on the way around. So that getting uncomfortable on purpose. Yeah, look, I, I, when I, I go running now and I listen to music because I like doing it. But when I play it... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've gone. <laughs> but, when, but when I played, I just thought, I'm not doing that right because it's soft. Because listening to the music is making this easier for me. And I don't want to make this any easier for me. I, I don't want to listen to any m- music to try and pull me through the last three or four K a year. I just want to use my mental toughness because when I'm playing and there's 10 minutes left to go and we've been defending our line for five minutes, I can't put my earphones on and start listening to Rocky, can I? I'm going to have to dig deep and dig in myself and, and get it done. And um, For me, it was one of the things I abided by when I was a player. I never, ever listened to music when I was running it. And if it was called, I'd get out there in shorts and T-shirt because for me, it was like playing in a game that was called in January and February. I wanted to get prepare myself mentally to be in that situation and prepare myself to be as tough as I could be and play tougher than any o- 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 other player. And I think... It was about conditioning yourself to be like that away from the pitch so that when you get in that situation, you thrived in it because you push yourself so hard in training. You've made yourself a lot like say it's, it's about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I've got to say, Jamie, I actually, um, I actually channeled you this morning. So I did 100 burpees split into 20s and I followed it with a cold bath. Uh, the thinking being about really enjoying the pain of it and you know, putting myself in an uncomfortable position because the more you're in an uncomfortable position consciously, then when it comes to uncomfortable positions that you're that are not of your choosing, you're you're better equipped to deal with them. That that's part of the thinking behind it, which as well leads me on to something that I know that you talk about a lot that I really like about the distinction between making the right decision and an easy decision and how important it is when possible to to make the right decision. Yeah, I may. I, first of all, I love that you've done that this morning. That's, <laughs> that's what it said. It's the people you you, you hang around with there. They have an yeah, influence yeah, on who you are as a person. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think, coming back to that point, I, I think in our lives, I think our success or who we are is made by the decisions we make every single day. Uh, and we, I, I think... It, Plenty of times in our life we come to look fork, forks in the road. We come to them all the time. I'll give you an example. Is, uh, the decision you made this morning to get out of bed and, and do the burpees and, and do uh, the ice, the, the cold bath. Like The easy decision for you would have been to stay in bed a bit longer and not do it. But the right decision, because you're going to make yourself feel better, you're going to get yourself fitter, you're going to release some endorphins, is to get out of bed and do that. And I, I think the winners in life, more often than not, make the right decision, not the easy decision. And I think a way of under, trying to understand which is the easy one, which is the right one, is think about the decision you're going to make and if and look at both outcomes. And the one that's going to make you feel better, going to improve you, that's the one to go down. And it's normally the one that's going to be a little bit more difficult and require a little bit more effort. But I think the thing is, we're making the easy decision and the right decision. The more often or not that you make the right decision, the one that's a little bit more difficult that's going to benefit you as a person, the easier those decisions become because they become part of who you are. It becomes your lifestyle. And the more often you do that, the easier it comes to make those 
more difficult and more difficult decisions. So, for example, the one you made this morning, I think if you do that regular, it becomes mm. easy to do it because you move something from becoming a decision where you spend internal energy thinking about something to where you don't expend any external energy, internal energy and it becomes a habit. And I think yeah. that's the way you build habits is by making the right decisions, not the easy decisions within your life. And that's something that... The thing that's exciting about that is that it's something that we can all do. <laughs> you, 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 you make the decision whether you, you, you want to get in the cold bath or not. You, you know, you, you make the decision whether you want to go to bed early or not. You make the decision whether you want to make, spend more time with your kids or not. Shoot, you, you, you decide to do that. No, nobody else. So, why wouldn't you want to try and make the best decisions for the people around you and for yourself anywhere? Absolutely. And the key thing, I think, is being able to spot that voice, that voice in our head, the one that pops up and says stay in bed it's nice and warm the one that i don't know says let's keep scrolling through the social media feed when you know you should be doing something else or even just reach for the phone if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable and i'm interested what what is your take on on that voice that we all have in our head lots of people would call it the ego and what's your view on on being able to spot it as well as importantly you know being able to make the decision to not be swept along by it. Yeah, I, I've got a long association with this voice in my head, a long history of mental illness. I'm just saying I've got a long history with this voice in your head. And I'll take you, so in the, my playing days, I, I used to call this voice the, the hurt locker because when you get in the hurt locker, as it, when you're playing a game of rugby, you have that voice in your head all the time telling you, you know, take walk here instead of run. You don't have to take this carry the ball in somebody else will do you don't have to make this tackle somebody else will do it but I used to love that battle with the voice in the ear and I call it the ear locker because it's when you're really hurting physically as a player you start to hear those voices and I think for me uh, I used to love that battle with with that voice as, a, as an older player because it was the one thing that used to fry me because again it comes back to you're competing against you you've got to be able to compete with yourself and that's the voice and you know measure yourself but the thing I think now that I've finished playing is the biggest thing for people with that voice is that let's say the voice, say you've been running every morning and then one morning the voice says to you, right, you stay in bed and you stay in bed. The key is, right, is not to be defeated then. The key is then the next day to make sure you make the right one. I think too often people, when they take an easy decision instead of the right one in terms of a diet or sleeping or physical exercise, they let that voice then repeat itself and win again and win again and win again. I think the key as a person is to understand, look, you're not a bad person if you've done that. Life happens. But the must is, the absolute essential thing you need to do next is to make sure you make the right one next and listen to the right voice, not the not the easy voice, not the one that tells you things are easy and to take uh, the soft option. And I think some of that goes with, it's almost like a battle against evolution because I think yeah. one of our things to do with evolution is the reason why we've been successful is we've always found a shortcut. We've always found an easier way to do things. You know, you go from walking to going on a horse to building a car. It's constantly finding an easier way to do things, which mm -hmm. is listening mm -hmm. to the voice, which makes the easy decision, not the right one. And I think to be better as a person, you need to try to listen to that right one more often. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That that voice is so sneaky. And a quote I quite like um, from a guy I quite like, I called Eckhart Tolle, he says, um, you know, if you can get to the point where you can listen to that voice in, in your head and laugh at it like it's a, a little child or a small child, then you're in a good spot. 
Um, something else you talk about is risk takers and, and playing it safe and the difference between the two. And actually, I think that voice we've been talking about, the voice in the head relates to this insofar as, and I'm not saying that there's, you know, there's not ones better than the other. It's not like risk takers are better than playing it safe. But I do think when it comes to playing it safe, oftentimes that little voice will be the reason that people won't extend themselves out of their comfort zone, won't take a chance because it is saying, oh, you won't be able to do this or X, Y, Z might happen or, you know, it could go wrong. So, yeah, what, what's your what's your take on this and what's your what's the way you look at the difference between risk takers and and playing it safe? Yeah, I, I, I agree uh, with you wholeheartedly on that. There, there, there are two types of people in life. There are those who like safety, so like to say no to things, and those who, who like risk and like to say yes to things. And I think both are right. Both these types of people are right and both these types of people are wrong. You know, I, I'm in the one that says yes can take risk, which can sometimes make you doing foolish things, but can often lead you into adventure and things that you, you're enjoying. Whereas the person who says no all the time, they're rightly safe, but may miss opportunities within the life. And I think it's about getting that balance right within your life about you know, when it's the right time to say yes and, and when it's the right time to say no. But the more times you say no to something, it just means you stay in your comfort zone. Now, Wayne Bennett, uh, the, 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 well, I'm, I was really fortunate to meet Wayne Bennett while I was uh, uh, being the manager of England and Great Britain. And I think often when you meet people who, who are uh, an icon or uh, have, a, have a huge reputation, from my uh, experience, you get a little bit disappointed by it. But when I met Wayne Bennett, he, he exceeded my expectation of him as a person, which was incredible. But one thing he did say to me was, so uh, Jamie, he says that the, the comfort zones are a wonderful place, but nothing ever grows there. And I, I think that's a great kind of mantra for if you're a person who, who generally likes to look on the safe things and always says no, is that sometimes you need to push yourself outside your comfort zone because every time you say no, it could be a missed opportunity to try and grow yourself as a person. So and I think um, it's about trying to tread that light, fine line between saying no at the right amount of times and, and saying yeah. And I, I don't think anyone ever gets it right all the time, but we, we, you can just try your best guy in the decisions you make doing that. Totally. Now, it's a cliche, but it's that old saying, isn't it? Growth only happens outside your comfort zone. And and when it comes to balance, it's clearly something that you and, and a lot of people, I think, value more, particularly as you, as you do get older. And I think that's particularly pronounced for sports people um, who obviously put so much stock in in achieving sporting excellence and um uh, before we wrap up jamie this is something i wanted to ask you because i know that i've heard you talk a little bit about meditation and um i'm just interested you know what type of meditation you do is it something you really got into um yeah where's your what's your stance on meditation um i just try i, I got, probably got into this a couple of years ago and i, I just tried to do it maybe two or three times a week for 10 minutes you, you know use an app to do it uh and i think the, the, the why I became a big believer in it was I was having a really manically hectic day. I've been up, you know, 5.30 in the morning, worked all day, 6 o'clock, and I had to go do deliver a talk somewhere. And, and I, I was burnt out, and I thought, right, I'm just going to try and meditate here, just take a deep breath, take a step back. Did it for 15 minutes, and I felt unbelievable. And I, I managed to deliver a really good talk, and I thought, it's just such a good way to be this about – 
uh, being present and, and, and living in the, in the moment. And I think, in given the world that we're in at the moment, we're always either looking looking behind us or looking forward. We need to spend more time uh, within the present. And I think for me, it was a person who's just always trying to do things. I think it's a, it's a good way of allowing me to to just take stock and think clearer and and do more. So I I would highly recommend it to anyone. And I think, you know, there's plenty of apps out there which can get you started. And it's it's a skill which you can develop over time. And it's one that's uh, worked for me. Uh, It's really worked for me. uh, And I think it's, it's, it's a great thing to do. Yeah, agreed. And there are lots of different types of meditation. You've got mindfulness meditation where, you know, you're focusing on something like your breath and, it's great for being aware of thoughts and developing concentration through to other types of meditation, mantra meditation, Vedic meditation, bija, um, which is pretty powerful when it comes to to unwinding and and uh, really letting go of of whatever it is that's occupying your mind at that time. And you know, and, and I think switching off. I know that's something as well that you were really good at during your career so you weren't just about just about the rugby you were able to to switch off and get engrossed in distractions away from away from the pitch and away from training in such a way that that really helped you yeah professional sport can be all consuming because it's not it's not a job it's a lifestyle and it's something you, you have to if you want to really be successful, as uh, most sports people tell you, it's 24-7, 365 days a year, but it's a lifestyle. But within those hours and, and those days, you, you need to be able to get away from it and not, not be consumed by it. And I think for me, there are negative distractions and there are positive distractions. So a positive distraction for me would be setting up a business, uh, running rugby league camps, because it set me up for later on in life and being able to go away and do that and think about that is a positive distraction because it stops me obsessing about rugby league. A negative distraction for people, it's just getting involved involved in social media for hours and hours. That's not a distraction. Well, it is a distraction, sorry, but it is negative. And I think the best thing in in any walk of life, if you've got a job that you love, then it become become all-consuming. And I just think you have to find something that takes you away from it and as a positive distraction for you something that's going to allow you to grow in a different area and that ultimately may enhance what you do in your job anywhere yes and um enabling your brain or allowing your brain to switch off is absolutely crucial isn't it in terms of well loads of reasons but just being able to come back and be fully engaged and fully productive because you can't do it if you're on the whole time and i know um that you did a master's towards the end of your career, whilst raising three kids. So it points to that old adage, if you want something doing, give it to someone who's already busy. And just the last couple of bits, Jamie, we've talked about that little voice in the head that we all have chirping away. And this relates to that a bit. And you talk about sprinting 400 metres, not 396, which I think is lovely. Yeah, I mean, uh, what... One of the things I think um, in in most teams I've played in is that the, the vast majority of players, when you're doing a kind of fitness drill, would think that the fitness drill finishes one meter or two meters before the cone. Now, for me, I thought to myself, well, the finishing lines. If you're running 400 meters, it's 400 meters. It's not 396 meters. It's not 390 meters. It's 400 meters. So for me, I'd always try complete things 100% and push myself all the way through 
finishing line. And the best players I've played alongside are, are the ones that consistently did that as well. Uh, I'm not saying I was on my own doing that. There was plenty of the top players within teams doing that. But I think that's the same in any walk in life. I think a lot of us can be happy with, with just enough. Uh, and, and for me, just enough is never enough. And I, I think um, to get the most out of what you're trying to do, to complete a job properly, then you've got to push all, all, all the way through. You've got to sprint the full 400 metres in life. For me, in rugby league, it's about sprinting all the way through to the finishing cone. Um, and a, an example of how you would do this, and I've come back to my master's was, is that, I, well, I, I left school at 17, uh, applied to do a master's, they let me in to do it. And now my my the terms of my, the content of my uh, uh, essays was really, really good. Uh, was high, but what let me down was hard with referencing. Okay, so I would be in the like fifties and sixties, but then my hard referencing was awful. And I thought to myself, well, I've got fifties and sixties, that's all right. But then I thought, no, do you know what? Like the sprint all the way through here is to make sure my average referencing is absolutely on point and as best as I possibly can do it. So I'd spend that extra time sprinting that last ten meters, getting the average referencing right, so that when I end it in my essay, it's as good as it possibly can. It's not one where I pulled up at 390 metres, I sprint all the way through to the finishing line. And I, and I think that's the thing that lots of people can do. You, you can decide, you decide ultimately whether you want to sprint 390 metres or you want to complete a job at 100%. And again, I think it's just a, a decision-based way of being more successful at what you do. Right, Jamie, we, we've covered a lot of ground. Confidence, belief, getting off the bus, the little voice, living your values, sprinting the whole way, so much stuff. So... You know, I think um, I think if people adopted your attitude, your outlook, it's it's a pretty surefire way of of uh, success and happiness in life. And I think you know the fact that you've been able to switch careers or, or leave a professional sporting career and make the switch so seamlessly really um, really speaks volumes. So yeah, just a, a pleasure chatting, mate. Yeah, cyber that's great. It's been it's been honestly it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Some great questions. So I've really I've really enjoyed myself. So thanks thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Don't Turn with the Score. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation, and I would of course be delighted to hear your thoughts, ideas, and questions. Do get in touch via my website simonmundy.com. I do really appreciate you listening. And if you could leave a kind rating and review, I would be sincerely grateful. All that remains is for me to say, I hope you'll join me again next time. Until then, thank you and goodbye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.